This is day seven of our daily Bible reading. We'll be reading Genesis chapters 25 through 28 and Psalm chapter 7. Lord God, thank you for bringing us here today. We appreciate, Lord, all the things you do for us. So many things that we take for granted, so many things that we're probably not even aware of, that you're constantly adding to our lives, grace after grace, compassion after compassion, of which we are not worthy. We do not reciprocate properly. We do not extend the same kind of grace and compassion to other people. Help us, Lord, to see the flaws and errors in our ways and help us to correct them so that we can serve you with a whole heart and that we can have a communion with you like no other. Lord, we desire closeness with you. That is why we come back to your word often. Help us to find you in your word. Please bless the reading of it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Abraham took another wife, whose name was Keturah. She bore to him Zimran, and Jokshan, and Medan, and Midian, and Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan became the father of Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Ashurim, and Letushim, and Leumim. The sons of Midian were Ephah, and Ephor, and Hanak, and Abida, and Eldeah. All these were the sons of Keturah. Now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living, and sent them away from his son Isaac, eastward, to the land of the east. These are all the years of Abraham's life that he lived. 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man and satisfied with life, and he was gathered to his people. Then his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron the son of Zohar the Hittite, facing Mamre, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. It came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac lived at Beer Lahai Roy. Now these are the records of the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maid, bore to Abraham. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael, by their names in the order of their birth. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, and Adbiel, and Mibsam, and Mishma, and Duma, and Masa, Hadad, and Tema, Jetur, Nafish, and Kedemah. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names, by their villages, and by their camps. Twelve princes, according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. And he breathed his last and died, and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is east of Egypt, as one goes toward Assyria. He settled in defiance of all his relatives. Now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac, 
And Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came forth red, all over, like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Afterward, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was sixty years old when she gave birth to them. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man, living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. And Isaac said to Jacob, Please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, First sell me your birthright. Esau said, Behold, I am about to die, so of what use, then, is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, First swear to me. So he swore to him, and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac lived in Gerar. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he was afraid to say, My wife, thinking, The men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. It came about when he had been there a long time 
that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebekah. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, certainly she is your wife. Why then do you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said I might die on account of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all the people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now Isaac sowed in that land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich, and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, The water is ours. So he named the well Esek, because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over it too. So he named it Sitna. He moved away from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth, for he said, At last the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. The Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you, and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar with his advisor Ahuzath, and Phicol, the commander of his army. Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, since you hate me? and have sent me away from you. They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, even between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you, and have done to you nothing but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Then he made them a feast, and they ate and drank. 
In the morning they arose early and exchanged oaths. Then Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Now it came about on the same day that Isaac's servants came in and told him about the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was forty years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basemeth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Now it came about when Isaac was old, and his eyes were too dim to see, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And he said to him, Here I am. Isaac said, Behold now, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there, that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father, that he may eat, so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his mother Rebekah, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. So he went and got them, and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She also gave the savory food and the bread, which she had made, to her son Jacob. Then he came to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please, sit and eat of my game, that you may bless me. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come close, that I may feel you, my son. 
whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. So he said, Bring it to me, and I will eat of my son's game, that I may bless you. And he brought it to him, and he ate. He also brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. When he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. Then he also made savory food, and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise, and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. Isaac his father said to him, Who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently, and said, Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me? so that I ate of all of it before you came and blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master, and all his relatives I have given to him as servants, and with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling and away from the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about, when you become restless, 
that you will break his yoke from your neck. So Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now when the words of her older son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee to Haran, to my brother Laban. Stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides and he forgets what you did to him. Then I will send and get you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Rebekah said to Isaac, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father. And from there, take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take to himself a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he charged him, saying, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, Mahalath the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north 
and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, previously, the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take, and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Psalm chapter 7 A Shigion of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush, a Benjamite. O Lord my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me. For he will tear my soul like a lion, dragging me away why there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is injustice in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to my friend, or have plundered him who without cause was my adversary, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life down to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Selah. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries, and arouse yourself for me. You have appointed judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples encompass you, and over them return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. O oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, and a God who has indignation every day. If a man does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, he travails with wickedness, and he conceives mischief and brings forth falsehood. He has dug a pit and hollowed it out, and has fallen into the hole which he made. His mischief will return upon his own head, and his violence will descend upon his own pate. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High.
Okay, this is a bit of a longer reading today, so I'm going to keep the commentary to a minimum for the sake of time. Chapter 25 introduces us to Abraham's next wife, which is Keturah. And while not only in the story of Abraham himself, but also elsewhere in Scripture, it talks about Abraham being so old and decrepit almost that it's crazy that he had Isaac at the age of 100. But yet, it says here that he had even more kids with his new wife, Keturah. Not only that, but it says that Abraham lived to be 175 years old. That is a very long time to live. But don't forget that people lived longer back then. So that was a proper age for someone to die back then. But even so, it is likely that Jacob and Esau got to meet Abraham. And the reason I say that is because of the age that Abraham was when he died. He was 175 years old when he died. But it also says that he was 100 years old when Sarah gave birth to Isaac. And then it says that Isaac was 40 years old when Rebekah gave birth to Jacob and Esau. So that means that Jacob and Esau were 35 years old when Abraham died. So it's quite possible he got to meet them. But we don't know that for sure. We see that the Lord also included a genealogy of Ishmael, which is nice because he is the son of Abraham, even though he was not the chosen one. So he does get a footnote in the Bible. But then the rest of the focus is going to be on Isaac and his descendants, Jacob and Esau. Isaac prayed to the Lord that Rebekah would bear children, and the Lord granted his request. That's beautiful. But in addition, Rebekah's seeking of the Lord is also very interesting, because she felt that the children were struggling together inside of her. There may have been some sort of miscomfort, or they were kicking like crazy, and she's like, what's going on here? But instead of trying to seek other means of understanding or seeking the wrong source of information, she went straight to the Lord. And the Lord was gracious to respond to her in a very powerful way. To say so much as two nations are in her womb and that, and that the older is going to serve the younger. And that's going to come into play later on. And with that in mind, it's almost as if Rebecca is acutely aware of the timing of this promise. Because when Isaac asks Esau to go hunt for him and that he will bless him, and Rebecca overhears it, it's almost as if she's remembering what God said at that point. She's like, this is the time. This is when I need to act. And I need to make sure that Jacob gets the blessing. So while the whole act between Rebecca and Jacob is very deceitful, of course God is not okay with that. It was going to happen either way. God promised that it was going to happen. They didn't necessarily have to do it like this, but they chose to do it like this, and God still went with it and still kept his word regardless. It mentions elsewhere in Scripture that God hates Esau. And it's not because Esau was just an unlikable person. Let's be honest, in our sinful state, all of us are unlikable in the eyes of God. 
But it's not because of who Esau was. It's not like God made a mistake creating him. But it is his sovereign choice that he is going to use Jacob to fulfill his promises and not Esau. But not only that, but there's also a huge act of disrespect that Esau does in his earlier days. And this is when he begs Jacob for food in exchange for his birthright. That's how flippantly he took this birthright. He sacrificed spiritual blessings to satisfy his physical appetite. That's how little he thought about it. And so God was dishonored in that way, and that kind of solidified things. Now, the birthright always puts the elder son as the precedence. Being the firstborn of any family in these days gave you all the rights to everything. It essentially guaranteed him that he was going to get a double share of the inheritance, more than Jacob. Now, in those days, they didn't have written contracts. Everything was done verbally through oaths and covenants and all that. So in these days, if you forfeited your birthright, then a verbal agreement is enough. It was also possible that you could forfeit it by committing a serious sin, and it could have been bartered, as it was in this instance. That was a completely legal transaction of what occurred here with the birthright. The way that Jacob did it really fulfills what his name is, because that's what Jacob means, supplanter. And that's exactly what he did. He tricked him. He supplanted him. Jacob has always been a sneaky, tricky guy. And you see it throughout his personality, more than just his name. And Esau means red, and he was very red and very hairy. So it makes sense that his name was Esau. I mean, I have some relatives that are pretty hairy, but if your hair is so thick like that of a goat, that is some serious hairiness. Chapter 26 makes me laugh because Isaac is doing the exact same thing his dad did with Abimelech. And again, it may not be the same person, Abimelech. And we don't really know exactly at what time period this was, so likely it was a different guy who was sitting on the throne of the Philistines. But he pulled the same trick with him as Abraham did, and it didn't go well for him. And then he started digging wells. They were getting all jealous, so they started filling them up with dirt. And it went on for a while until they finally settled down, they worked it out, and they lived peaceably with each other. Then we see Esau, at the end of chapter 26, do something that is against God's ruling for Abraham's descendants. He wanted them to intermarry within their own families. But in this case, he started to take people from outside of the covenant. And so there's another strike on Esau's record, so to speak. Chapter 27 is a pretty famous story if you've spent any length of time in church. But this is where I was talking about where Rebecca probably realized that this is God's timing for this to happen. And so, while again it was an act of deception, God still blessed Jacob through it. He was a rascal, but God was not done with him. And what I like about the character of Jacob is it kind of reminds me of what God has done in my own life. I have screwed up so bad my whole life. 
I had faked my way through stuff. I had lied my way through stuff. And I had not always been the most honest of persons during my time as a teenager and whatnot. And I just see the beginning of growth in Jacob. Now, he is unruly. He's bartering with God. He's making all these conditions. But God still chooses to stick with him. And it reminds me of how faithful God has been in my own life. He's taken me a long way from my wilder days. And now I've calmed down a lot more. I still am not where I need to be perfectly, but I'm getting better every day. And I appreciate that the Lord never gave up on me. And so I see that here as well in Jacob. He is not somebody who is deserving of all this at at this point. But God knows what he is going to be at the end. And I want you to think about that too today. You may not think you are what you need to be right now, and you probably aren't. But God knows what he is going to finish in you. He's not done with you yet. He knows what the end result of you is going to be. And that's what he's working towards. And you will get there by his grace. So don't fight him. Don't resist him. Don't argue with him. Let him do his good work in you and cooperate. And things will go well with you. So Isaac gives Jacob the epic promise. And Esau ends up getting kind of a half good promise, half bad promise. But either way, it's all going to happen according to God. Because you can see by the way that it's written, in my Bible at least, how it looks like narrative separate from the paragraphs, like a poem of sorts. Usually that's attributed to prophecy. This is God speaking through Isaac and saying whatever his pleasure is. But yeah, Esau is mad after this happened, and rightly so. So he vows to kill Jacob. Rebekah hears about this and gets Jacob out of there. And Isaac commands Jacob, to not marry any Canaanites. And Esau's like, hey, I married Canaanites. You don't like them? Well, your mom makes it pretty obvious, Esau, because at the end of chapter 27, she says, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. They are sucking the life and soul out of her. They must be that bad of people. And so, yeah, she doesn't hide the fact that she doesn't like these Canaanite women that Esau married. And what does he do out of spite? He goes to Ishmael, his uncle, and marries someone from that family, just to get even with his parents. I mean, grow up, man. But that's what he did. And then at the end of chapter 28, we see Jacob have that dream of what is famously called Jacob's Ladder, where we see angels going up and down this ladder to the throne of God himself. And this is the first time that Jacob sees God himself. God reveals himself to Jacob for the first time and makes the same promises that he made to Isaac, that he made to Abraham. And he promises him that he's going to take care of him and he's going to give him this land and that he's going to bless him. And look at Jacob's reaction. He wakes up and said, surely the Lord is here and I didn't know it. He doesn't quite understand who God is yet. But that's okay. He'll get there. But then it says that he made a vow to God. 
and said, if God will be with me and keep me on this journey and will give me food and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. He's foolishly treating God like he's some sort of genie in a bottle. And yet he doesn't understand yet. But again, God is going to be patient with him, and he's going to show him who he is over the occurrences that are going to go on in his life. And God does the same thing with us. He uses our life to show us about him outside of his word. I can understand because I am a visual learner, but primarily I'm a kinesthetic learner, meaning I have to actually be doing it in order to learn. And so God teaches us lessons throughout our lives that point us back to him. And so this happened in Jacob's case, and we're going to see the progress that he makes over the next few chapters. Chapter 7 of Psalms is what is called a shigion. It is a term usually indicating something like an ecstatic song. It is a certain style of hymn that provokes a certain kind of emotion. And in this psalm, there is a reference to somebody named Cush, a Benjamite. From my recollection of reading King David's story, I don't recall there ever being a Cush, the Benjamite. So we're not really sure who this is, but what the commentary in my Bible will tell you is that it was likely somebody who was Saul's henchman, while David was a fugitive under King Saul. But we don't know that for sure, but this is what it was attributed to in the original text. But we have this lament that David is seeking the Lord for deliverance. But it also addresses a primary characteristic of God's character, in that he is a God of justice. You cannot simply accept God as being a God of love, a God of kindness, without addressing the fact that he is a God of justice. That is why evil must be punished. That is why sin has consequences. God demands retribution for those things. And you see this understanding throughout the whole of this psalm. And while David is lamenting about the issues with this guy, this is primarily talking about who God is himself, and that should be our focus in our tough times. Instead of worrying about the people that are harming us, let's fix our eyes on God and focus on him and his character and his faithfulness to his people. And while justice may not be as swift as it is to our liking, God will exact judgment. And one of my favorite ways he does it is like he does here. In verse 15, he, being his enemy, has dug a pit and hollowed it out, and he has fallen into the hole which he made. So often, God does that with evildoers. They devise plans and plots and schemes, and then God causes their house of cards to fall on themselves. I see that happen every so often, and it is so awesome to watch, especially in the workplace. It happens a lot, and it's so cool to see, to see God's justice in action in real life. But make no mistake, God will hold you accountable too. So rather than worrying about these other people, you need to worry about obeying God yourself lest you are disobedient and you 
undergo a stricter judgment. Our scripture for memorizing today is going to be Psalm chapter 7, verse 11. God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.